Welcome to Bloody Mary's, a queer horror movie podcast. This episode, we're talking about Dawn of the Dead. Ooh. I'm a succubus here to kiss you all over, Alex. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm the club 1830s holiday that Annabelle has gone on after escaping the Ed and Lorraine Warren Museum. <laughs> Sean. Elaborate. <laughs> Um, we're two queer horror nerds based in Hackney, pronouns they them. Um, content notes for the episode. Um, there's obviously lots of violence and blood and gore and a little bit of racism, uh, swearing and also we'll be talking about the film, so of course spoilers. Was released in 1979 um, and it was directed by George A. Romero um, and it was the sequel to the 1968 film Night of the Living Dead. Um, the uh, the funders weren't too keen on there being a sequel um, but Italian horror filmmaker Dario Argento um, helped to get it funded because he was such a big fan of the first oh. one and he retained the rights for making any edits or additions in non-English language speaking versions. Um, so uh, the film is set in the Monroeville Mall in Pennsylvania, which is uh, a real mall. And that was the primary filming location. Um, and it was made with, uh, well, actually, there are, there are disputing views about how much the budget for this film was. Um, it was reported as being $1.5 million dollars. But uh, since people who were involved have said it was more like 500,000. Um, because George A. Romero and some of the others forwent, uh, forwent, foregoed, foregoed it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, a fee. Um, but it grossed $66 million worldwide. That is gross. That is gross. And it was the most successful in terms of uh, money of all of the kind of the dead franchise. Oh. Um, it was remade in 2004. Yes. Um, uh, the screenplay for this was inspired by A Visit to the Monroe Mall in 1974 by George A. Romero. Um, and it was filmed during a busy Christmas shopping period. Uh, so it had to take place between 11 p.m. Filming had to take place between 11 p.m. and 7 a.m. And then they took a, uh, they paused filming for three weeks uh, when all of the Christmas decorations were up because it was too time consuming and expensive for them to take decorations down. Right. Every night and put them back up. The reason they had to stop filming at 7am, even though the mall didn't open until 10am, was because the uh, the kind of uh, generic music that plays in malls right. uh, started automatically at 7am and nobody knew how to switch it off. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, so the scenes on the rooftop in the lift shaft the lift chap? The lip chap. In the lip chap. <laughs> <laughs> on, on the rooftop, the lip, lip chap. And the gun chap. <laughs> and the uh, the kind of the rooms that they make into their kind of temporary accommodation. The beautiful uh, studio location. Yes, they were all filmed elsewhere, but everything else was filmed on set in the mall. Um, the original ending was very different. So in this, we see the two surviving characters who are Francine and Peter uh, getting on a helicopter and flying away. Somewhere. Um, <laughs> in The original ending was that Peter was going to shoot himself and Francine was going to intentionally have her head chopped off by the helicopter blade. Well, that's too much. Um, <laughs> but it was decided. Um, the, it's disputed as to whether or not these scenes were actually filmed or not. Um, oh. But it was decided that it should be more of a hopeful ending, especially because the ending, well, this is just my own stance, but the ending of the first film was unrelentingly bleak. Um, oh, yeah. So uh, this is a very well-received film. Uh, it's still very highly regarded, uh, often ranks highly on greatest horror movie lists. Um, also appeared on a list that said sequels that are better than the originals list. I'm not sure I agree with that. But, um, the... Uh, so it took a crew of eight people to do the makeup um, for two up to 200 extras. What? Um, <laughs> and the idea was for the zombies to have like a grey skin tone. And it was to make some continuity with the first film, which was in black and white. Right, right. Um, uh, the makeup man said that he thinks in hindsight this was a mistake because it photographed very bluey. It did. Um, I thought it was meant to be blue. <laughs> yeah, no, it was supposed to be grey. Um, and that, along with the very kind of shocking bright red, 
Um, yeah, the fluorescent gives, blood. Yeah, it gives the, uh, the film quite a distinct and cartoony palette, mm. um, which uh, Romero says is very intentional because he wanted it to have more of a comic book style in the original. Um, mm. uh, some interesting notes. Uh, there are, there's, you see two zombie children quite early on in the film, um, and they run towards uh, Peter um, and are swiftly killed. Uh, they are the only uh, zombies to be featured in any of Romero's zombie films to run rather than shuffle. Mm. Um, and it was still kind of the, the zombie law was that they were very slow moving. And it wasn't really until 28 Days Later and then The Walking Dead that running zombies became more the norm. Fast zombies. Yes, but also in the Dawn of the Dead remake from 2004, they're also running in that film too. Oh. Um, the film had no rating. Um, which Romero convinced the distributors to do uh, because the MPAA wanted to rate it X uh, because of the violence, but X is usually reserved for pornography. Right. Um, so Romero didn't want that to be associated with the film. Um, mm. So it had no rating and was advertised as having no rating, which in effect kind of did more for it than yeah. having an X rating would have. Um some of the zombie extras would get drunk before uh, <laughs> filming because the makeup process would take so long they'd be sat around in their zombie makeup for a long time. Some of them you can tell. Um, well, <laughs> yes, indeed. And uh, But some of them stole a golf cart <gasps> and crashed it, causing $7,000 of damage to them all. Naughty. Um, apparently, all of the extras were given $1, what? a donut, and a Dawn of the Dead t-shirt. Wow. Um, I would like to do that. Um, because it is... I do my, love donuts. Uh, <laughs> and, and t-shirts. And um, it is also number two item on my bucket list is to be a zombie extra in a film. So What's your is, number one? Well, my number one shifts sometimes, but it's mostly to play uh, Nancy in uh, oh, the yeah. Twist on the Stage. But I think I'm changing that to doing a one-woman show. Uh, of with Nancy. Of all the characters. Nancy's on me. <laughs> <laughs> um... So Romero has two cameos in the film. One is he's uh, the director in the TV studio at the very beginning. Oh. And he's also one of the bikers too. Bikers too. Um, and there are lots more fun facts to come as we talk through the plot. Can't wait. So the film starts in a TV studio manic scenes in it's a TV crazy. studio. crazy. And the idea is that this is set uh, sometime after the first one. Um, the time is a little bit unclear. It says online that it's three weeks, but I'm not sure that that's oh. made explicit anywhere. Um, and also, it's not super clear how much time passes over the film. Um, the only indication that any time has really passed is them decorating their little new digs and the growth of Francine's baby bump. The growth. Um, the growth. <laughs> uh, she seems to have a dreadful growth. Um, <laughs> Baby growth. <laughs> um, so uh, there is, uh, it's a talk show happening and there's a talk show host and a doctor talking about uh, how to overcome these creatures. Uh, the creatures aren't named as zombies as they often aren't, uh, although later in the film they are named zombies by Peter just once. Oh. Um, there's lots of chaos in the TV show. It's quite difficult to know what's going on. There's various literal papers being thrown around in the air just <laughs> yeah. to imply the chaos. <laughs> um, everyone seems irate at the Doctor for some reason, who just seems to be uh, dropping truth bombs left, right and centre. Um, but it's very clear that it's in relation to a zombie apocalypse mm. emerging. Um, and that's where we're introduced for the first time to Francine and Steve. So Francine, we think is like, is she a, ca a camera woman or a production assistant or something? Yeah, probably um, two, maybe all of the things. Yes, and her lover, uh, Steve, is a radio host. And he says, come and meet me at nine on the roof. Uh, we're getting all out of here. She's a bit resistant, but agrees. Um, and She um, does agree. Yes, and up they go. But then we go to uh, a tenement building. Um, oh, no, actually, we don't. We go to the rooftop. Yes. Um, or do we? <laughs> I didn't think we'd lose our threads so quickly on here. No, I think um, it cuts between the two. So I think, yeah, I think they're at the studio and then it cuts, because they're talking about the the outbreak, um, and then they go to the tenement building where 
um, they find the you know, storage. Do they go up to the roof? That's okay. after. Oh, it? Okay. Yeah. So then we 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 have a different scene in a tenement building where it turns out that. Uh, so the, the doctor announced earlier that it's uh, it's martial law to make sure that you that anyone who dies you deliver your dead to uh, national guardsmen or the army or something, um, and uh, we're at this tenement building where that hasn't been happening uh, and it's being raided by kind of SWAT teams in the army. Mm. Um, it's uh, pretty much exclusively people of color in the tenement building, yes. and uh, one of the policemen or SWAT team members is. Exceptionally racist. Yes. Um, there also appears to be someone in like brown face. Yeah, that's um, really weird. <laughs> it is weird. Um, and then um, they uh, they go in. They start kind of well. This, the, the racist guy seems to be kind of indiscriminately shooting living people. Yeah, like um, makes the guy's head explode. Yes. Um, with a gun, just to be with, fair. Yes. <laughs> with his, with his mind. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then. Uh, we're introduced to uh, two other SWAT team members who become the other central characters, which is uh, Roger, who is a tiny little man with awful blonde receding hair, yes. <laughs> a sort of ratty little face. Yeah, um, horrid man. <laughs> um, and his polar opposite, who is like six foot six, <laughs> um, and he's called Peter. Um, and he's kind of the, the more decent of the two. Tall, hunky Tall, guy. Tall, hunky, also with a bad receding hairline. Yeah, I think, I think that was the 70s thing. thing. Nobody had any <laughs> hair. <laughs> At least not that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so they, um, they... So Roger seems very much uh, against the racist uh, policeman who does eventually end up getting killed. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, so Peter and Roger end up in uh, like the boiler room or something, and uh, a, a priest staggers in, and uh, he says that the bodies have been stored of the dead have been stored in the basement, and that he's been delivering last rites to them. But, um, and yeah, but they've all been turning into zombies and chowing down on each oh, other. Yes. So, <laughs> so, then, so then the priest takes them to the uh, to the basement, and they're all kind of kind of some of them are like kind of tied up. Others are bundled up like little zombie burritos. Yes, a zombie burrito. Um, it, it looked like a little zombie snack bar, generally. <laughs> and they're all just kind of sat around eating bits Each of Each other, yeah. basically. Um, so they shoot more. And then uh, we... Go back. You know, I'm kind of struggling to remember how the two groups get in the same helicopter. There's just a weird bit. So they cut back to the... Um, they oh, land... They stop for fuel, don't they? They land to get fuel on, like, a police station. Yeah, and that's yeah. where they bump into uh, Roger and Peter. Yes, and there are others that are trying to... They're, like, threatening them because they're like, you're stealing police property and then the other two who are obviously more... have more sway um, kind of get them to back down and they get on mm. the heli- in the helicopter with them. Yeah. So now we have our foursome all together. Yay. Francine, Steve, Peter and Roger. Uh, they fly over various kind of urban areas which have, um, no, rural areas rather, mm. that have um, that have it under slightly better control but still not completely. Um, and uh, Roger comments, the rednecks around here are probably enjoying it. Mm. Um, <clears throat> and then they stop at a petrol station. Um this uh, at this point they're kind of uh, besieged by a new set of zombies, uh, one of whom has a very long forehead. <laughs> yeah, a giant stupid forehead. He kind of looks like Frankenstein. Yeah, um, but with reason, long hair on top. <laughs> and the reason he has a big long forehead is because he he gets his head chopped off by the helicopter blades, yeah. which was supposed to be foreshadowing for when it happened to Francine at the end. Oh, um, but it doesn't happen. Um, she didn't have a big square head, so yeah, but, um, <laughs> she didn't. Imagine she went up to the roof and she had a big square head at the end. It's like, I wonder what's gonna happen. <laughs> or if she had to have a big square head all the week. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, uh, you're, you're, you're so lucky, Steve. She's, she's got such a beautiful big head. <laughs> um, so then uh, Peter goes into uh, like a the kind of petrol station y bit like the shop bit yeah um and there are two little kids that run out um and he fights them off they do kind of general fighting but then uh steve points a gun directly at peter to try um 
and to try and shoot, shoot kids. Uh, yeah. No, oh, there was another one, yeah. Um, and uh, basically we turn out that Steve is useless, doesn't know how to fire a gun, doesn't know a gun safety. Yeah, he doesn't um, understand gun no. safety one bit. Um, and uh, so uh, Pete has a bit of a go at him and then they fly off, fly around for a bit. Yeah. Um, seemingly with no real destination in mind, although I think originally Francine and Steve had wanted to go to Canada. Oh. Um, yeah. Because it does come up briefly later. Yeah, I feel like they did have a direction, but then they just stand up at the mall. So, yes. Yeah. So they re- they fly over a mall, they realise it's a mall, and they think that that's probably a good place to go. Um, because... Yeah, I was thinking that, actually, like, it would be the best place to go, really. And that's why a lot of zombie films do end up in the mall, I'd say, <laughs> than TV programmes. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, well, because I guess you need to find somewhere that has lots of supplies. Yeah, and um, lots of lovely clothes for makeover sessions <laughs> yeah. and foods. Although the big difference with this one is, uh, this one and the remake, in the remake, the mall is empty, apart from a few security guards. Yeah. In this one, the mall is already open. Yeah, but it's not. Uh, it's not very full. They're quite thinly spread. Yeah. To begin with. Yes. Um, <laughs> so uh, they they land on the roof, uh, and they look down through a window and see that there's a room that has lots of like food supplies. In. Yeah. Uh, so they smash through the window and shimmy down there, and um, they uh, yeah, and the, the two cops, uh, the two SWAT team people. Uh, Peter and Roger mm-hmm. um, decide to go and have a little mooch around the department store to get yes. some things. So they turn on all of the electrics, which plays kind of like music throughout the, the so building. Turns the fountains turns on. The fountains on. And the escalators. Escalators. And just the whole works. Exhibits they're called, which you don't really know, just kind mm. of like moving window oh, yeah, displays. Yeah. Very moving window displays. Really I was very moved. <laughs> um, they. Uh, <clears throat> Yeah, so they go into the department store to get some kind of supplies and stuff. Um, there's a scene where they, uh, where Roger, who has kind of big, like, bottom energy. <laughs> <laughs> like, just kind of, like, giddy and running around while, while yeah, big, tough Peter's just being like, let's be serious. Yeah, he's like a like, kind of wild, like, annoying child, just, like, screaming and making weird noises, like, yeah. yee woo, 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 woo. <laughs> And he slides down the escalators um, down the middle of them. Apparently, after this film, uh, the mall had to put in like little stoppers on there to stop people replicating such a move. Yeah, so Um, they've had to put those on London Underground for the same reason, actually. I don't know if it was implied by that film. So what they get they find like a little trolley of some sort. Where do they find the trolley actually? I mean where do they find anything? It's just around. <laughs> uh, they find a trolley, they fill it up with some supplies, and then they decide to go down to the bottom floor to distract or to knock on the windows and make noise so that all the zombies come to that one. Swarm. So that they can make a swift getaway. Um uh, in the meantime, I don't know why, but Steve has Steve has kind of gone out of his way to try and get involved. Yeah, I think he's just he feels being like a man. Manhood is threatened by not being allowed to be involved. So he, um, I'm going to go and look at some things and take guns. So he ends up in the boiler room, um, and uh, misses. Doubtfire. Doubtfire <laughs> yeah, is there. He keeps missing. Uh, the zombie that's coming after him and uses up all of his bullets so that he ends up having to quickly reload and shoots this uh, uh, this zombie, kind of confirming that he's not really a, he's rubbish. a marksman. Yeah. Um, and then, because of all of this, uh, the other two can hear the gunshots and uh, all hell breaks loose. Absolutely. The um, and there's a nice bit where um, uh, Peter throws a zombie over the side. Yes. That's fun. Um and then, uh, so they go and help, they go and rescue, uh, what's his face? Steve. Mm. And then they're running through a shop and then a mannequin jumps out. It's well, not it's a, a mannequin, mannequin. It's, it's a, a zombie. zombie. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then they kill him. Uh, one of the zombies that keeps uh, appearing at this point is the Harry Krishna uh, zombie. <laughs> So this is hilarious. We had some debate about whether this was a Harry Krishna zombie. I thought it was just a bald woman. Until Alex spotted a tambourine. <laughs> and confirmed that it is indeed a Harry Krishna. 
Uh, this zombie finds its way into... Am I jumping ahead here? No. This zombie uh, finds its way into the little rooms that uh, Francine is still in. Yeah. And she uh, she doesn't have any weapons on her, actually. No. So she's got some flares. So she sets off some flares to, like, distract it and then starts climbing up a ladder to get out mm. um, and is saved by the men. Yay. Um, and uh, it seems like, at this point, uh, Steve has kind of, like, earned the respect a bit of the the others. Yeah, I don't know how, because um, he's just been a fuck-up the whole time. I think anyway. he managed to, like, shoot one zombie as well. So they decide to go and explore the air vents. Yeah, because Steve, <clears throat> like, um, has, like, a file of facts with all the, with the floor uh, yeah. plans and knows how they all connect. Yes. Um, um, so, yeah, he thinks that they can use that as a, a means of getting from A to B. From hither to dither. Yes. Um, to dither. <laughs> from this way to that way. <laughs> yes. Um, uh, so then they've got all of their supplies in this little room. They've got whiskey and snacks. Um, so you say whiskers. That's <laughs> delicious. <laughs> <laughs> um, they also have a little radio and a TV. Um, they do manage to get some TV working. Um, we find out at this point that... Uh, so Francine is very shaken by the Harry Krishna conversion attempt yes. <laughs> um, the, the end of a bloody massacre um, the, uh, we find out that she is pregnant three or four months pregnant and uh, this is quite a weird bit actually because Peter's just like do you want it and uh, she's, she's not in the conversation uh, he says that to Steve and Steve's just like uh, and he's just like uh, do you want to abort it I can abort it and, yeah. and I know how to do it um, and then uh and then there's a bit on the TV which uh, which I really liked, where there's a guy with an eye patch who's called Dr. Millard Rausch, and he says that um, it's he's kind of uh, some scientist of some sort, and he's saying that uh, they're not cannibals because they aren't the same species anymore once they've come back from the dead. Mm-hmm. Um, they have kind of learned and remembered behaviours, and kind of and all of this is kind of uh, interspliced with scenes from around the supermarket where they're like supermarket from the supermarket <laughs> supermarket from Tesco um, from, from the mall uh, where they're like uh, the zombies are going up escalators and like trying to use the tills and stuff for, yeah, like, yeah. shopping um, uh, he says they must be destroyed on site these are creatures that are just operating purely from instincts uh, like a lot of animals they will be able to learn to use tools mm. um, and then after that news piece uh Francine, who's overheard the abortion conversation, uh, is, is understandably a little bit pissed off about that. Uh, Excuse me, my body, my choice. She says that she doesn't want to be, um, she doesn't want to be considered as the pregnant person. Like she doesn't want to be treated any differently, mm. and also she wants to help. So she wants to be involved in any plans that they make. She doesn't want to just be left while they all go out and do these things, and also that she needs to learn how to ride the helicopter just in case everybody else dies. Um, just so no one else can learn though. <laughs> <laughs> well I think the others already can because oh. Steve Steve is writing it initially because he does the weather reports from them I think yeah yeah um, probably not he probably has someone writing it while he's doing the weather reports oh no that's a traffic person that has a helicopter not the weatherman ah! maybe he's a traffic uh, I, you know he, he is a traffic he does traffic yeah yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and the other two are like SWAT team army people so maybe they already know how to maybe maybe um, um, so then there's a bit which, and I still can't really understand what the purpose of this bit was. But they, they, but so once again, the men go into a lorry, <laughs> into one lorry, and then, well, no, the SWAT team guys go into one lorry, and what's his tip? Steve goes into the helicopter. Yeah, I think the purpose of Steve in the helicopter is to keep an eye out. But the stupid thing is, he has no way of communicating with the people yes. in the truck, so which... it's completely stupid. <laughs> But why are they out in the trucks anyway? Because they get the trucks to 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 block the the entrances. Um, Yes, so they they kind of commandeer various trucks to block exits. Roger forgets his bag. Uh, He goes out to get it again and is bitten on his arm and his leg. Yep. He makes like a little kind of temporary tourniquet. Sure thing. Um, And then uh, next thing we see, they're back in the little uh, kind of rooms that they've commandeered themselves. They've all had makeovers as well. They're all wearing casual clothes at this point for some reason. Oh, yes. <laughs> um, and she's got eyeshadow on. And they, uh, so she's bandaging up um, uh, Roger. Yes. 
Um, and they're kind of talk about how much time he potentially has left, or maybe that's a little bit later actually. Um, and then, uh, then they decide to go and get some more ammo in the gun shop. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they uh, they take. Um, it's weird that do all four of them go, or does she stay again? She stays, and and obviously Roger can't go because he's no. They do. They take him in a in a wheelbarrow. Because don't they climb through the fence to get into the shop? And it's only I thought it was only um, Steve and Peter that go to this bit. Oh, okay, maybe I've blurred two bits. So anyway, <laughs> they go to the ammo shop. There's this weird kind of like it's kind of like safari sounds yeah. in the shop. Um, and they stock up, uh, although not super generously, but they do stock up. I mean, there, there's like a million shots and picking up different guns, but they don't take everything weirdly, which I think is a bit of a mistake. Um, given what happens later. Oh, well, indeed. Um, and then after the gun shop, they then go out with yeah. Roger in a wheelbarrow. With um, the guns. With the guns. And this time all four of them go. It, and the idea is to go and lock all of the doors yeah. that they've locked with the lorries. Um, seems like, I don't know, it seems like an unusual way of doing it. <laughs> it's not the way I would handle uh, a I zombie mean, apocalypse. I, mean, you know, I would have shot myself about this. <laughs> um... um the uh, yeah, so they they're going around locking the doors, and uh, Francine spots that there are some like show cars out in the kind of like forecourt of the the mall. Oh yeah, in the in the forecourt of the mall. <laughs> oh my, <man. laughs> there seems to be a show car in the forecourt of the mall. <laughs> Um, so uh, Roger drives because he can't do anything else um, and uh, they drive to the different doors lock them down um, yeah. and are largely successful um, at some point Francine is trapped in well, she's not trapped she shut herself into the department store Yeah, and there's this weird like man in sportswear who's got like a big glove and he's just sat on the floor looking at the window meowing yeah, oh, making little cats. and she's just staring into his eyes. It's very peculiar. Yeah, it's weird. So then, uh, that uh, Peter at some point makes reference to the fact that once they've made sure that no more zombies can get in, they're going to go hunting the zombies and basically wipe all of the ones that are already in the mall out. Yeah, which we then assume just happens. Yeah, because, it's weird. Cut uh, to basically them all dead on the floor. Yeah. <laughs> um, and. Uh, then they, they collect up all the bodies, don't they? Yes, them. but just before that, there's a bit where um, Francine is giving an injection to uh, Roger. Roger. And he's like, we whipped him, didn't we? We whipped him, we whipped him. And he's obviously um, starting to go a little bit kind of delusional. And, and annoying, um, as per usual. And, and Peter <laughs> kind of plays along with him, but you can tell he's like, oh. This is, You're gone. Yeah. And he's, this is where he says uh, that nobody else that's, that he knows of has uh, lasted more than three days after being bitten. Right. So then they stack the bodies, oddly in the same place that they store in the food, which is... Yeah, it looks like there's some lovely fresh tomatoes in yeah, there. Yeah, they wouldn't... Mm. They, wouldn't uh, they wouldn't pass any health inspections. Riddled with zombie blood. Yeah. Um, so they stack the bodies, and then there's like a little montage of them just, you know, just really enjoying life in the morning. Yeah, they really um, love it, and they're just like trying on outfits. Shopping. And just, um, uh, there's a weird bit where uh, Francine is just ice skating alone. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> She gives Peter a little haircut. Oh, yeah. He looks very confused about it. Yeah, it looks the same, so I don't know what the problem is. <laughs> Maybe that's why it's confused. Um, um, they play yeah. arcade games. And they all look really shit, the arcade games. Yeah. It's really rubbish. <laughs> um, um, and then there's a bit where they're stood uh, on one of the kind of like mezzanine layers, like looking over uh, the bodies. And all wearing their new mink coats. Yes, oh yes, wearing their new mink coats. Um, which we had commented earlier on that we would also have stolen. Um, and then uh, Peter says that um, uh, he says uh, there's no more room in hell. Uh, oh no, because they say uh, what? Uh, Steve says what are they? And he says they're us. Um, there's no more room in hell. And he's like, what do you mean? And he says that he has. Uh, his Trinidadian granddad was 
uh, into voodoo mm. and used to say that when there's no more room in hell, the dead will walk the earth. That's my favourite. Yeah. When also... there's no more room in hell, the dead will roam the earth. Beautiful. That's how he says that. Yeah. Thank you. Um, and also that line reappears in the remake in... I actually prefer it in the remake uh, because it's this big part of a monologue that they watch on TV by this like evangelical kind of preacher oh, yeah. who says like... Uh, you uh, you kill unborn babies. You you have men marrying men. Um, was it? This, did you say it's the same guy doing both? Or did I imagine that? No. Okay. I didn't say it um, because it's not true. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't think it's true. Which you mean, same guy? Um, I thought that you, when we were watching the remake, you said that it was the same guy, like from the first one, that they got back to the news reporting as the evangelical guy. Oh, did I say? I don't remember saying that. Maybe I just said it was the same, like... Oh, the same script, wasn't there? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Anyway, um, so Roger dies. Um, He he kind of rises up a little blue in the face. He actually looks more grey than the rest of them, like, weirdly. Um, Yes. But anyway. Yeah, he does, actually. Um, Maybe it's because he's fresher. Fresh. Um, And then Peter shoots him. And then we hear again from Dr. Millard Rausch on the TV, um, who's saying that um, he thinks that they should just bomb the the cities where they're they're struggling to... Just bomb it all. Just bomb it. Um, He also says that uh, he's worried that that those with brains are are all dead and the idiots are still alive. (laughs) Um, And that the, the zombies won't run out of food until everyone is dead. Because um, someone suggested, why can't we just wait until they run out of food? Um, so then we see uh, Peter, not Peter, Steve and Francine sitting down for a lovely meal. Oh, which yes. Which is served to them by Peter. Yeah. Uh, Peter opts not to eat with them because he wants them to have um, a romantic meal. That's true. Um, and then we can see that there's been a jump in time because the rooms that they were using as their base... Uh, are now very fancily furnished and Yeah, decorated. lovely red leather sofa, plants hanging everywhere, mm. lovely TV set, the works. And uh, Steve, no, Peter, is painting uh, like a kind of uh, a fake wall yeah. to cover the entrance uh, because he's he's been worried from the start that, that zombies aren't their only concern. Correctly so. Well, uh, exactly. Um, so then we see, uh, Fran is also showing a bump at this time. At this time. At this time. <laughs> at this juncture. At this juncture, uh, she is quite happy pregnant. Next day, gone again. <laughs> and then we see her also putting on some very clownish makeup. Yeah. <laughs> and a big, massive beauty spot. Um, and they're playing cards. And she says that there's been no broadcast on TV for three days now. She's getting quite snippy at this yeah, point. Yeah, she is. Um... Uh, then to cheer her up, uh, she practices flying the helicopter. She likes that, actually. She does, but this is the downfall, really, because the baddies spot the helicopter. They do. Um, so and it's they all say, her fault. And they say, should we get them now or should we get them tonight? And he says, we'll get them tonight. And then brushes his moustache with a little moustache comb. Yeah, um, sinister guy. Yeah, so they turn out to be a group of bikers. Uh, there are, like, 40 of them or something. Yeah, lots of bikers. Um, and apparently this uh, these... All of these were just, like, extras, and they were part of, like, a pagan bikers group. Pagan? Yes. Lol. Um, And these were all their own bikes. Um, So uh, they hear them coming, because obviously there's a million bikes. Mm. So they go around and pull down these, like, uh, metal gate things, uh, which... Yeah, I don't know why they haven't pulled down before. They just decide now. As I say, (laughs) not how I would. (laughs) Um, And then they decide to go and stay out of the way... Uh, because uh, Peter says there are thousands. There, when they come in, there are going to be a thousand zombies in here. They'll have their hands full with them without having to worry about us. And that's the only time I think in a Romero film that the word zombie is used. Oh. Uh, so they stay well. They they try and stay out of the way, um, and the bikers start looting. Uh, they there's also a quite awful scene where there's like a a, a zombie of an African woman. Um, oh, yeah. It's got like quite traditional sort of like headwear on and stuff, and yeah. lots of uh, jewels. Like, clingy jewels, and they are kind of like We're just ripping the jewels, jewels off. Yeah. Um, and then there's a weird scene where uh, they start throwing pies in their faces. Yeah. Um, With, like whimsical music. <laughs> yes. 
And then uh, there is a shootout. And the shootout is because Steve shot first. And then they become aware that there are others there. Yeah, that's so annoying. I wish Steve had just followed uh, Roger's instructions. I mean, not oh, Roger, Roger. Peter's instructions and just gone back to base and they could all have hidden until it all calmed down. Yes, because they, all they wanted was to loot it and then go. Yeah. Um, so uh, there's a big shootout. Um, uh, what's his face? Uh, Peter gets up in the vent and is shooting people from there. <laughs> it's all up in the vent. Steve <laughs> has. Steve is shot when he's up in the vent of the lift. Yeah. And then Peter shoots two of the kind of main ringleaders of the group. One of them, uh, both from the vent, one of them goes flying off the balcony. Yeah. And then the other one, who gets all of his insides pulled out. Yeah, um, that's cool. That was with real cow intestines, apparently. Delicious. Mm-hmm. I like my <laughs> medium rare. Um, and then, uh, yeah, there's a weird scene uh, that I suppose is there for comedy Lols. Comedy lols. <laughs> um, where one of the uh, bikers like sits in like a keeps sitting back down in this blood pressure machine and then he gets killed yeah, in the blood pressure machine. It's really silly. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, so Steve gets it uh, Peter and Steve manage to get in touch with each other on their walkie talkies. Well, yeah, um, it feels like Steve is, like, blanking Peter the whole time. And then just, well, he's like, just being shot in the arm. But, I mean, he had the, he's just, like, lolling around trying to cause trouble. And then he gets shot and it serves him right. Anyway. Yes, it does. Um, and then whether or not the, he deserves the following bit is up for debate. He does. He does. No, okay. <laughs> <laughs> he definitely does. Um, so he, uh, so Peter's like, get back in the vent of the lift because he's dropped down by this point. And as he's climbing up, uh, more zombies come in and start biting him and pulling him down into the lift. Yeah. And, uh, and then, giving him a good C and T. Yeah, and Peter has a little moment where he's kind of thinking about going back to try and help but things better of it and goes back to base. Um, so we know immediately that Fran realises that he's dead uh, as soon as they see each other. And then it cuts forward a bit and she's just like, she's got a little scarf and a coat on. Yeah. To go. Um, and she's like, he hasn't answered for hours. He's not, you know, he's obviously dead. Um, and then we do this kind of zoom around of uh, zombies um, kind of eating various body parts mm. that are left lying around. And also the zombies kind of going back to using them all like a mall. Yeah, they're like, they're almost like the looters at this point, I thought. They're just like smashing things randomly and stuff back. Well, the backs yeah. in that case, I guess. Well, I, th- I think it's kind of to show that it is all just like learned behavior because they're like kind of, um, they're like trying on things. <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> but it looks like they're shopping. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And then, uh, and then during that scene, we see the lift open and Steve comes out, who is now a zombie. It's now blue, um, green, and, <laughs> and again, to make clear the uh, the whole kind of learned behavior thing, he remembers where the secret door is. Yeah. And all of the zombies follow him, and they smash through. They get into the little secret place, and uh, Peter says that uh, Francine should go ahead, get in the helicopter, and fly away. She's like, but you have to come. And he says, no, I'm staying here. I don't want to go. I don't want to survive. Um, oh, I missed that bit. I was like, why is he staying behind? <laughs> Just okay. dying out with but, his zombie pals. also, pals. I don't know why he had that moment of doubt. Um, yeah, after like, fighting the whole way. Yeah. Like, it's something like that. But, I can't be bothered. he would let a woman that he doesn't really trust to look after herself very well, who's pregnant, yeah. <laughs> just go off and try and do it on her own. Sort yourself out. Bye, babe. So he holds the gun to his head after she's got in the helicopter. And then he thinks better of it, shoots some zombies. And then climbs up after, and they get in the helicopter, and away they fly. Whee! And it ends with some very jolly, upbeat, tinny music. <laughs> I wish I could remember it so we could sing it now. It's very cheesy. It is. Um, <laughs> what, what, a, what a great end. What a hoot. <laughs> <laughs> so we've uh, consulted with our fact checkers, and it turns out that... Uh, <laughs> that the man who plays Peter is indeed the televangelist. And that is true. Um, and apparently I was the one that told that. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I must have been reading IMDb when we watched the remake. <laughs> um, so shall we talk about representation? Yes. Um, so, uh, women. Uh, this does not pass the Bechdel test. No. Um, there's only one named uh, woman. That's right. Which is Francine. Um, 
and she's kind of cool. I don't, I don't find her especially likable, actually. No, I mean, especially at the beginning, she's really pathetic. She gets tougher as it goes, but at the very beginning, she's like standing around while people are going, oh, while people are being attacked. It's like, just help a little bit. Yeah, or hide. Or hide. <laughs> yeah. Just watching. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so she has, like, she has like a nice little moment where she's like, I don't want to be treated any differently. I'm not going to be the den mother. Yes. And she wants to learn how to helicopter. Um, which she does. Which she does. Yeah. Um, and she survives. Um, yeah, she's the final gal. Yeah. And also, I think there's some... Well, we'll talk about this in the next thing, which is people of colour. Sure. But I think there's some sig- significance, especially in this film, of having a black man being uh, one of the two survivors. Because in the first film, one of the most harrowing parts of Night of Living Dead, I think, is when... Uh, the kind of police turn up at the house at the end as like uh, as day is breaking yeah and they're shooting the zombies and then once they're all kind of dead uh, the main character who is a black guy yeah uh, comes out uh, with his hands up and is shot um, and it's very clear that they didn't think he was a zombie um, yeah so it's more significant that this in this film I think than it would be otherwise but yeah. it's still um the, the survivors are a woman and a black man. Yes. It's good. So they do have... Uh, there are portrayals of racism in this. Yes. Um, at the beginning, in the tenement building, which is exclusively uh, black people and... Latin. Uh, Latinx people. Yeah. Um, and there's obviously someone very obvious brown face. Yeah, well. that was very weird. Unnecessary, because there were actual actors there. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, not but it's definitely necessary. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially unnecessary. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's very necessary. And there's a bit where um, when Francine first meets Peter in the helicopter and they're all kind of introducing themselves and she says to he's like, she's like, oh, I, you know, who are you leaving behind? And, and she's like, I'm leaving an ex-husband. And Steve's like, I'm leaving an ex-wife. And he says, I'm leaving some brothers. And she's like, Real brothers or street brothers? Yeah. <laughs> he kind of rolls his eyes, but it's like both. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I also think there's something really interesting about the... And maybe there isn't, and I'm just overthinking it. But in the tenement building, uh, the bodies in the basement... Yeah. The fact that they're not willing to hand these bodies over to the state... Um, and that they've got their own kind of like ritual sort of thing. There's something about like the way that like religious people and like the kind of cultural thing around people dying that maybe hasn't really been looked at in terms of zombie films before or since. Right. Where it's like, yes, they've turned into horrible zombies, but we're still going to go through the kind of process of treating them yeah. as if they're human. So Death like giving rights. them their last rights yeah. and kind of swaddling them up like mummies and like all that sort of thing. I don't know. I'm, traditional swaddling. Yeah, just, just traditional swaddling. Um, yeah, so I wonder if there's something interesting about that. But other than that, it's a very diverse cast. Yeah. Um, it's worth it's, it's worth noting as well, the, um, the horrible racist cop does use the N-word when he's like going through the building. Yes. Um, and yeah, he's generally unpleasant. Yeah, and he gets his just desserts. He does. And also everyone seems like the rest of the SWAT team don't seem to be bothered that he's being killed because they yeah, clearly he's... disapprove of his behaviour. Yeah. Which is kind of indiscriminately shooting people of colour. Exactly. Uh, uh, queer representation? <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, there isn't any, but... Um, but yeah, no. I mean, you can try and force some, I suppose, but not yeah. really. <laughs> I mean, I, yeah. I mean, I guess there's like kind of like a brotherly love thing happening with Roger and um, Peter. Peter, yeah. But nothing that you could really sink yeah. your teeth into, as it were. Nom nom nom. And in terms of disability, uh, there's not really any representation of it. Um, no. Apart from. Uh, when <laughs> Roger's being wheeled around in a wheelbarrow. Yeah. Um, but interesting to note that a lot oh, of Oh, actually, the... The, the, yeah, the, the priest also has um, one leg. That's not really commented on at all. That's just like a, oh, yeah, an aside. Yeah. Um, and uh, the, a lot of the zombies that were cast, the extras, were amputees. Um, oh. So the ones where you see them when they like have a limb removed or something, they are already uh, do already not have that limb. Do already not have. A they limb. do not. <laughs> have um, 
So yeah, I mean, it's 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 okay. It's kind of what it is. The Bowman Toads representation. But, yeah. Um, the one thing I found really really interesting, which um, again is just me looking for things. But there's a very bit in particular. A very a bit? Very bit. <laughs> oh, not a very bit. And it, was a, it, and it was very bit. Very? A very, very bit. It was oh, absolutely no. um, Where um, Roger is being attacked in the front of the van. Uh, and there's like this blonde woman comes, a zombie comes in. Oh, yeah. And uh, Peter is saying, uh, hold its head up, hold its head up. And it's like, I don't want to draw any weird trans parallels here, but I'm going to. Which is... Why is it that uh, in zombie films they can adjust to changing pronouns very quickly? So they're not saying hold her head up, they're saying hold its head up. That's it. But uh, if you were to say, oh, actually, you know, my pronouns are they, them, or I, I use she, her pronouns, they, they will still insist on calling you your original pronouns. That's the thing, actually, earlier on the film we were watching it, I, I said it's about one of the zombies, and you were like, oh, it's not an it. <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah, shit, that's funny. <laughs> Um, yes, anyway, that was just my observation about yeah. that. Um, shall we do the awards? Sure thing. Da 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 um, was lying on her back riding the escalator, just on her back riding up. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I liked that. Um, my favourite was the nun, okay. uh, the zombie nun. <laughs> just gets caught in the door. She, she gets her dress caught in the door. And then you don't see her again until a little bit later. And then um, it looks like she's like frustrated that she's caught because all the other zombies have gone away. And then Francine like frees her from the door. Yeah. And she just kind of like tosses off. It's really, really weird detail. <laughs> it's a weird detail. Uh, what do you think was the funniest bit? Oh, funniest. Um... Well, I think that the zombie Harry Krishna generally was, uh, <laughs> especially still had the tambourine, was just a little bit too much. <laughs> yeah, um, although I think the bit that made me laugh the most was when the main biker guy, when they were first hatching their plan, uh, all of a sudden just got a little moustache comb out. And oh yeah, like, like a <laughs> flick moustache comb. <laughs> like a Swiss army moustache uh, what do you think was the spookiest moment? Um, I think it wasn't that spooky, but the, generally the film. But I think um, when uh, Steve uh, is revealed as the, the as being a zombie, being dead when the lift doors open and he's there all grey, and then you realise he's going to go and find the the entrance. Mm. That bit. Yeah, I, th- I again, it's not especially spooky, but I think. Uh, I wonder if it's just because we've become so used to seeing zombies being super, super fun. I mean, it is a cartoony film anyway, yeah, yeah. but I think, like, uh, the the threat of zombies watching a... Especially because we watched the remake quite recently, which and there are lots of moments where I'm like... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and it's mainly because of the speed. Yeah. Um, so I wonder if there's something about slow... Uh, which do you prefer, slow or fast? Um, I think fast are generally more scary, so I'd say probably prefer them. Yeah, same. Yeah. Um, the uh, I think the spookiest bit was when uh, I can't remember what bit it was actually, but it was when I think it was just before the nun got jammed in the doors actually, when uh, Steve was like faffing around with the keys and um... they were all getting closer and closer, and it was kind of one of the only bits where I was a bit like, <gasps> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, what do you think was the best death? Well, I mean, obviously, best meaning probably most ridiculous for me was obviously helicopter square head. Um, oh, yeah. And his head being chopped off is just like, <laughs> didn't see that coming. <laughs> <laughs> um, I had two that I really liked. Uh, one of which, which was a, a, a very unnecessary death because it wasn't even a zombie, but, but it was when the racist cop shot the man and his head exploded. Oh, yeah. Um, that was a very uh, fun death to watch because yeah. it kind of came out of nowhere. And yeah, yeah. Before you'd really seen any, like, gore or effects at that's that point. That's true. I also really like the guy uh, who, at, at the end, when he was one of the bikers, when all the performance Oh, the, that was, there. I also wrote that one as well as a backup, I forgot. Yeah, that was all the guts being pulled out, which turned out to be counter-stunts. Yeah. Did you have a worse death? Um, I think you mentioned it's the guy being eaten at the blood, the blood pressure machine. It's just like, oh, yeah. it's just so stupid. It's like, why is he getting his blood pressure checked now? Yeah. Yeah, I, I actually didn't put one, but yes, that is the worst 
Uh, what do you think was the queerest moment? Uh, mine was when Fran uh, gave herself a full drag queen makeover. <laughs> <laughs> a bad drag queen makeover. Yes. <laughs> yeah, the beauty spot was like, uh, it was like the size of like a postage stamp. Yes. <laughs> um, I thought the queerest moment was when, uh, and again, I can't really remember when it was, it might have been when they were doing all the lor- driving all the lorries in front of stuff, but one yeah. of the zombies, who was quite a handsome, like beardy, like hipstery looking zombie, mm. like very gently put his hand on the face of Roger yes. before he shot him. Yeah, that bit was a bit tender. Yeah. I like that they were pulling him for a kiss. Who do you think was Hugh? Hugh, do you character? I actually had a little crush on one of the machine, the machine gun biker. Who breaks in and, and does the machine gunning, but then he then gets. Oh, he's um, the testifying one, isn't he? No, no he's, he's the one that um, gets shot by the exit and then gets swarmed. Um, oh yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Good choice. I yeah, I struggled with this one. I said Peter. Um, if it wasn't for his awful seventies hairline, <laughs> um, it's like just shave your head. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> um, but he he had a hot bod. He, yeah, he was hunky. You'd want him to be with you in that scenario because he was six foot six and could just like pick the zombies up and throw them away. Yeah. Um, but also, there were quite a lot of hot zombies. There were actually. Um, yes. Uh, well, well done to all of the award winners. Yes, uh, congratulations. Really proud of your contributions to the zombie genre. <laughs> zombie uh, genre. Zombie genre. Mm. Uh, how many pumpkins would you award this? Oh, yes. Um, you always say this is a bit of a surprise. No, it, I, I had forgotten this time. Um, I think I'm... Quite, well, okay, so I can see that it, it would have been really amazing at the time. Um, I weirdly found it a bit too long... Um, and dragged a little bit. Um, so I'm going to give it a 3.5. Fine. Fine. Um, <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, I think I will give it a 3. Oh, less generous than me. Um, I, I really enjoy it. It was too long. Um, and... Yeah, I mean, I mean, I liked it. I'm just thinking, like, zombie is my second favourite horror genre after Haunted House. Sure. And I think this one, I can just think of a lot more zombie films that I think are much better. Sure. Um, but it's really fun. It and, is and fun. I liked it. Yeah. So, yeah. I feel like, if, yeah, they could have made it just a little bit tighter that they cut out, like, quite a lot of it. But, I mean, the version we did watch was extended, but I don't know how much by. It can't be that much. But, um, but yeah, like, it just... It, yeah, I felt like there was a lot of flab that could have been cut. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, agreed. Um, but yeah, three to three point five. Sure, it's fine. It's, it's, good. it's not bad, yeah. is it really? Well, well done, Dawn of the Dead. Well done, you, Dawn of the Dead, <laughs> Dawny. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so uh, it's time for uh, this episode's spoopy bit of the episode. <laughs> I'm, sh- I'm shitting myself. Oh, it's very scary. Uh, this one's actually a bit sad. So um, I'll try not to be don't be hysterically laughing like you did with the nuns drowning. So this is the legend from uh, Pittsburgh. Um, and it's very close to the location of the mall, actually, that they used in the film. Apparently a 45-minute drive, exactly, to the area um, where the legend began. So this is the legend of the Green Man, or Charlie No-Face, um, which is, like I said, a local legend for the area. Um, apparently Charlie No-Face was a disfigured uh, boogeyman character who could be seen at night blowing cigarette smoke through holes in his cheeks. Um, <laughs> that's funny, is it? <laughs> No, no, no. Such holy cheeks. Um, holy cheeks. Um, no, no. <laughs> Lurking by the sides of the road, uh, trying to stay out of sight. Um, he's also said to sort of have uh, shrouded in some sort of mysterious green light um, and just be green. And the nickname, uh, the green man, came from his skin, which is purported to be green. Oh, purported. Uh, purported. <laughs> <laughs> purported. Um, 
So local tourists would quite often drive along his road in hopes of meeting the green man or China face. Um, on the outskirts of Pittsburgh, one abandoned tunnel in the area got the nickname of Green Man's Tunnel, and teenagers... <laughs> What's funny now? And teenagers used to drive into the tunnel, turn off their lights and call out Green Man, who would appear from the darkness. If he touched your car, his electrical charge would either stall the vehicle or make it difficult to start. Terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> get, get the car guy. What are they called? Engineers. Um, and, um, but yeah, so the, the tale of uh, the Green Man of Tonofos is passed down through generations and has now become folklore in the area. Um, but actually, it's based in real fact and on a real person um, who lots of the people in the area actually knew. Um, well... I'll tell you the story. <laughs> it's a it's a sad story. Okay, just to I'll, preface, I'll... <laughs> a preface. Just to no face. Um, well, uh, he does get no face. Um, he gets so, no, no face. face. Yeah. Oh, t- <laughs> stop. <laughs> It's just a funny way of saying it. Unfortunately, he didn't get no face. <laughs> <Well>. <laughs> oh, stop. <laughs> so. Um, so, yes, it was based on a real man called Raymond Robinson. Um, and as a child, uh, in 1918, um, eight-year-old Raymond Robinson climbed a pylon, uh, as he was dared by his friends to do, to look into a bear's nest to see if there were any eggs in it. Um, when he reached the top, he made contact with a wire carrying 22,000 volts of electricity. Um, the force uh, threw him... The force of the jolt, sorry, uh, threw him down to the bridge with severe burns on his body and face. Um, the doctors at Providence Hospital didn't expect him to live, but by some miracle he did. Um, so he lived in Koppel. Did, did he get no face? Well, yes. Um, so um, basically, yeah, it kind of like it got rid of his... It, yeah, he lost both of his eyes um, and most of his face was gone, essentially. Um, so yeah, he was blind and quite disfigured, essentially. Um, so he spent lots of time at home, obviously. Um, uh, apparently he'd made doormats, wallets and belts to sell. Um, because of his appearance, he rarely ventured out during the day. However, at night, he went for long walks, um, on a quiet stretch of the, the route that the people used to go to look for him. As an adult or a child? As an adult, yeah. Um, so he used to take himself out with a walking stick, um, because, yeah, like, he wanted to go out, but he didn't want to be seen. Um, apparently groups of locals regularly gathered to search for him walking on the road, and he tried to hide, um... But if he was ever, yeah, if he was ever, like, caught, well, not caught, but, like, found by anyone, he was actually very friendly and would pose for photos with people. Um, I know. Um, Yeah, like I said, some of the encounters were actually friendlies, but others were quite cruel, um, and it sort of made it quite difficult for him to walk. He was hit by a car more than once. Um, I know. (laughs) And he stopped his walks during his later years of his life and retired to Beaver County Geriatric (laughs) Centre, where he died in 1985 at the age of 74. Um, so yeah, but like a lot of the, the legend actually still goes on and there's lots of actual folklore, like that's not to do with his actual story. Um, like based on like, just like made up stuff, but people have just had it passed down and down through generations. So they just think it's a, a thing. So where does the green thing come from? Well, they, they think that, well, they oh, s- like the kind of electricity. Yeah. Okay. Something to do with him glowing from the electricity, which is obviously not true. I mean, uh, there, there are photos of him online. Um, and you know, they're all black and white, obviously, so you can't tell whether he was actually green, but I very much <laughs> I doubt it. Certain it wasn't green. <laughs> um, and yeah, there's been quite a lot of kind of like um, interest in making films about his story. I don't know whether they're like based on his actual story or whether it's the folklore. Um, there's also a few books that have come out recently about his I story. I mean, either way, I, I can't see... I don't know how you do know. it. I don't know how you do it sensitively, um, unless it was about his story and the stories that grew from it rather than like treating it as like a horror. Yeah. Um, um, yeah, no, it would be too cruel. I mean, he only died like in 1985, so he must still have relatives in the area. Um, 
But yeah, it must be strange for them that there's this whole folklore that's basically come up about him. Because the rest of the stuff is all like made up extra stuff, like where it's like he was a killer who lived in the tunnel and like decapitated children and all this kind of made up stuff that's not really about him. Um, but yeah, like the stuff with the, the no face and the kind of glowing green. Um, yeah. But I guess as well, it's like, it's probably how all folklore starts. It's just that this one was recent enough for people to remember the origin Yeah, like trace it back. Yeah. That's true. Well, thanks for that. Well, I know it's a very sad story. I know, I'm sorry. Oh, but it was interesting. It is interesting. But it yes. is sad. I'm sorry, <laughs> listeners and Sean. <laughs> if you're enjoying Bloody Marys, please subscribe, leave a review, and share with your friends.